It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, right. let's keep going. All right, thanks to the YouTube. Aloha edition rolling. Well, dude, I hope this is not an airing of the grievances. It has been such a positive day. That's nice for once to not want to air. No, it is. It's been (laughs) really great. Um, You know, I appreciate you guys sticking around uh, through the regular scheduled portion of the show. Let's do questions and comments. You all are in the driver's seat the rest of the way. We will take most questions within reason. Uh, There's a few the last few weeks I've had to skip over, but you guys are great. I I, I love you guys. Uh, Let's let's go back to the moose conversation now that we're not in the regular recorded feed. It's, uh, you know, Kenneth was asking, you know, did Moose have any big moments in Cincy? I know you wanted to kind of talk about Moose's legacy and we just didn't really get to it, uh, but we can uh, spend some time on that next week in the regular shows. But for right now, Jeff, uh, did do you think that Moose had any big moments in Cincinnati? I'm trying to remember if I, I'm sure there was like a walk off somewhere, but I don't even remember one of those like. Uh, you think because Matt, nice Matt CDL thinks his biggest moment in Cincinnati was sliding into second base and losing his pants. That was the biggest moment from Mike Moustakis during his time as a I don't have a rebuttal for that one. That one's pretty no, good. We'll, and we'll get, like I said, we'll get into to Mike Moustakis' legacy as a red next season. Uh, you know, I, I think his le- he, it's a legacy of disappointment and that's not, Damn. that's not uh, to disparage him as a person. It's just, you know, how it worked out. Uh, I mean, just statistically, this is kind of a sad thing to think about. He had 21 home runs as a Cincinnati Red. Brandon Drury had 20. Ouch. (laughs) And he was here a lot less time. Uh, Our our boy Matt, uh, he's on fire today. Uh, He followed that up with his projected opening day lineup. Uh, Indy at second base, Newman at shortstop, Stevenson at first base, Votto at DH, Myers in right, Steer at third, Frito on left, Senzel in center, and Kurt Casale batting ninth and doing the catching. I don't know who bats second. I don't think this is the opening day lineup. I don't know who bats second, but I don't want to see Newman batting second. Yeah, and I don't think that on opening day – well, okay, let's talk about this for a second. Is Joey Votto healthy? He's got him in the lineup here. So a healthy a healthy Joey Votto is starting. Him, I'll tell you that. Yeah, if Joey Votto is healthy enough to hit, He's opening playing. day in Cincinnati, Joey Votto is playing first base. I don't and, care what what's and Tyler's going on. playing catch. And Tyler's yeah. catching. So yeah. um, that lineup will get shuffled opening day. Now, if we're talking about, you know, what things look like opening day, on the average, that's not a bad lineup to run out there every third day or something. I could totally see that happening. We'll, now, we'll... and it's funny because I, I kind of poo-pooed the idea of Kevin Newman batting second, but there's not like a readily like, oh, my gosh, this guy has to be batting second over Kevin Newman, but I just don't want to see him. Kenneth, uh, who's scheduled for opening day, uh, they're opening with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, you know, it's a great opportunity to come out of the gate hot. Who do you think's going to start opening day on the mound? <laughs> I it's Nick Lodolo for me. I, I, you know, I've said since the end of the season, I think that, you know, it's a two, it's a two horse conversation between Lodolo and green. And I think mm-hmm. that ultimately Lodolo had a more consistent, uh, better season, uh, nothing to nothing against Hunter green, but I think all things being equal, uh, Lodolo went out there and won the, uh, honor of starting opening day in Cincinnati. He definitely had a very, very good performance. I don't know. I just, I think Hunter green's more marketable. I think that if he is not 
puddling his way through uh, spring training, I think that he's going to be the opening day starter. You uh, looks like you were in the comments while I was talking at some point and asked uh, our viewers who you they thought was going to get more playing time at third base in 2023. Spencer Steer, Kevin Newman, Ellie De La Cruz, or Jose Barrero. Uh, looks like the first few answers all are coming up steer. I think I agree with that. I think that uh, at least to start things off, that's going to be Spencer Steer's job to lose. Uh, mm-hmm. Ellie De La Cruz, I really, you know, they they may fool me and let him play some third base when he comes up, but I think when he hits the big leagues, it, they're going to run him out to that shortstop position just every single day. I think that's yeah. what's going to happen with Ellie De La Cruz. I definitely believe if when they call him up, he is going to play every day. Um, I think that it's probably a 98% chance at shortstop and it's like a 2% chance. It's like center field, but like, I don't know. I, I put him in there to see what folks thought about his uh, possibility of playing third, but yeah, I, I do agree. I agree. Yeah. Carlton was in the comments here. Carlton Van Hoy agrees. He's saying he thinks Ellie for this season is not playing anywhere, but shortstop adds that a call up would be stressful enough without adding multiple positions to play uh, a la, you know, AKA Nick Senzel syndrome. Oh God. Let's not do that to another prospect ever again. I hope not. I, I, I hope that they have a plan in place before they call him up. Cause it felt like they had a plan in place for Nick Senzel. And then at the last second, they switched it up. Kenneth checks in saying, uh, you know, this is to follow up on your Jose Barrero talk there, Jeff. You know, do you think they trade Barrero uh, to make room at shortstop or give up on Barrero? Uh, I don't listen. Who's going to trade? I mean, does he have any trade value at all? I don't think he has any trade value at all. No, I, I can't see a team sending another prospect for him, even if the prospect is like a one star prospect. Like at this point, he's not tradable because he has no value. He's got to build that value. Uh, fill for me for a minute. I'm looking for questions, Jeff. But what I, I really do think, and I, I believe that this team is so much better off if he does figure it out. And he's going to get that opportunity. If he is the Reds opening day shortstop, I think there's a better than 50% chance that Jose Barrero is the Reds opening day shortstop, supposing that he's healthy. But I don't think it's a given. Uh, I'll admit that there's definitely a chance that you see Kevin Newman and there's an outside shot that Ellie De La Cruz just forces his issue and says, I don't need triple a start me today. Like that's, that could definitely happen. He is that talented. I, I firmly believe that that's the case. So overall, I, I still think that the reds are going to see what they can get out of Jose Barrero because to say that they know what they know based on uh, what Jose Barrero does. And there's some other organizations in major league baseball that have different like baseline for at bats. Like some teams say that they don't claim to know anything about a player until they've seen a thousand at bats from him. There's a great, so I'm sorry that took me a minute, Jeff. There's a great back and forth in the, the comment section that I'm not going to be able to get all up on the screen, but you know, Matt's and Kenneth and crazy Carl are all talking about the impacts of Ellie coming up and who moves where, and what do they do with Barrero and, and uh, crazy Carl thinks that Barrero, if he's playing well, will slide to third base. Uh, there's some rebuttals about not displacing steer. Uh, and one thought about Barrero then becoming an outfielder, mm. uh, in this situation, if Steer's playing well enough to hold on to third and Ellie comes up, you've got Newman on the roster. 
I think that's an option. I think that you could see, we've talked about where to get that other right-handed outfield at bat for needed platoons, right? Uh, Jose Barrero, a hitting well, Jose Barrero anyway, could fill that role. He, he seemed to hold his own in the times he appeared in the outfield. He's got the range and he's got the speed. I, I think that if he doesn't play shortstop, Jose Barrero plays center field. And if he's not playing center field, he's not on the roster just because that's where the roster has its demands. Like now, especially with Will Myers in the fold, Nick Solak in the fold, Nick Solak, he's listed on baseball reference as he could play third base, but he hasn't played third base since his rookie season in 2019. So it's not as if that's really on the resume, but he's definitely a corner outfielder. Neither Solak nor Myers can really do much in center field. They're more of a liability there than a help. So I think that Jose Barrero's next option is center field. And that's especially if Nick Senzel is struggling at that point, because I think he'll probably be the opening day center fielder, but the Reds don't view that as he is our center fielder. They've, they've made that clear. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I mean, and, and let's be honest for this to even be a conversation for this to be an issue. Jose Barrero is going to have to come in to the beginning of this season, a completely different guy than he was when the season ended uh, when yeah. last we when last we saw him, he's going to have to come back a completely different guy. I don't know that that that's going to be the case. I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm really disappointed in how this whole Jose Barrero thing has played out. Uh, I don't know who's at fault. I don't know if it's just an issue of uh, you know he truly was just a you know as we say sometimes a four A hitter. Uh, maybe that's the case. Maybe the Reds screwed him up by bringing him up from Prasco during that COVID year and exposing him to major league pitching when he was still trying to figure things out. Uh, maybe that's part true. Maybe it's a little bit of all those things. Maybe it's a little bit injury. Maybe it's a little bit, you know, misuse. Maybe it's a little bit just he peaked his talent level. I'm not sure. Uh, I I'm reluctant to, you know, you know, we always talk about taking the over. We always talk about, you know, what bets we would make. I don't know that I would bet on him coming back suddenly having figured it out. I think yeah. uh, I am definitely, and he's going to have to show me that, that he's a new guy and he's going to have to show me over a long period of time. I'm not going to come in after seven games. If he comes out hot and be like, see, there he is. We knew he was going to be, I'm, I'm not doing that. He's going to have to, he's going to have to have a significant period of prove it for me to really buy in to Jose Barrero being a long-term contributor to this team. I'm going to tell you what I've seen from the different highlight videos in the Puerto Rican winter league, that it's going to be interesting when folks watch him in spring training and, and hopefully whenever he's playing good in the regular season as well is because he has made a couple of key changes to his swing that he just, looks more confident there that was something that i noticed at the end of last year was it seemed like he was searching and it seemed like when he swung at pitches only half the time was he sure that he wanted to swing at that pitch in the first place you know he kind of did that whole like oh boy like type thing that you see with different guys so i i want to see that from him as much as i want to see the statistics bump up as much as they really need to for him to take hold of any position in this lineup Austin Bowley checks in with a good, good question. Does John Sadak cease to make Seinfeld references whenever Newman comes up to bat? Listen, first of all, I love John Sadak. He's a friend. Uh, you know, uh, oh, I, I get to hang out with him uh, each time I come back to Cincinnati. Uh, I love John Sadak. That being said, the first few weeks of the season, you are absolutely going to hear a lot of Newman. <laughs> 
You're gonna. It's gonna yeah. happen. I, I think uh, I, I think that that will eventually tamp down after a couple weeks. Now, if we're going to talk about just the first two weeks of the season, Jeff, whatever the number is, I'm taking the over on the number of Seinfeld Newman references. I'm fully expecting and looking forward to Kevin Newman's first at bat whenever John Sadak says, hello, Newman. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely going to happen. Evan Maurer in the comment section <laughs> says, trade Alexis Diaz. Jeff, I feel like that's a personal attack on you. If I mean, if they could get that kind of a deal from the Mets, I, I'd do it because those those are some crazy high prospects. And Carlos Carrasco being in this rotation would fit the mold for the veteran guy that would hold down the back part in the fourth or the fifth spot. But I, I still think that overall, it's just going to be almost impossible to trade him because what the Reds are going to want and what other teams are going to offer, there's just going to be a huge gap between those two things. This is an interesting comment, and you and I have talked off air about some of these things, but let's do it. Uh, let's do it on the show. Uh, Carlton Van Hoy, uh, he's more hyped about Myers than Newman. The addition of both also takes some of the clubhouse issues and pressures off of Jonathan India. Uh, Carlton goes on to say that he's not saying that India can't lead, uh, but it's nice to have some vets in there as well. You know, India has talked about this, Jeff, and you and I have talked about India talking about it, but I don't think we've done it on the show where basically India is like, hey, I'm in my second year and I look around and I'm like the veteran yeah. around here. I, I mean, I think uh, I think that may have contributed to India's reluctance to ever come out of the lineup when he was hurt. I, I think that. I think that he was trying to be a leader, to be the guy in a lot of these uh, aspects, especially after Votto and Stevenson both went down. Uh, that oh, yeah. really, truly left India being the guy. And I agree with this. I think these veteran signings help guys like India psychologically uh, be able to focus more on the baseball and worry less about being the the captain i'm putting air quotes around captain i'm not saying they're going to make india the captain but right. you know what i mean right no and, and i totally agree with you that's a huge reason and, and honestly i buy it i bought what india did and i'll continue to buy it i think that he deserves a contract extension for what he did because he's shown the loyalty to this team but i do agree as well that you need that veteran presence i don't think that a general manager ever makes a move specifically to add that to the locker room but he kind of looks for that in peripheral and, and that's what Will Myers brought. I mean, that's what that quote said. He said, I can't wait to be that guy to kind of impart my experience to younger players and something that, you know, we don't talk about enough simply because you really can't quantify it, but you just know that it's there is the, the feeling of winning something that teams lack and especially a team that has been through a perpetual rebuild for pretty much my entire life lacks the idea of a winning mentality. So if you don't do it, you got to go get people who have done it. And Will Myers has done it. And Kirk Casale has seen it with the giants and with the Mariners and stuff like that. So I, I'm intrigued to see the experience that they can impart on these younger guys who, while they're also getting their feet wet, trying to be established as major league ball players are also learning what it means to win in an environment where last year they lost 100 games. You, you can't do it by losing. You have to either win or get somebody who knows how to win, and the Reds are trying to at least do one of those things. Jeff Kenneth checks in and says he just doesn't believe in a 6'5 shortstop. You know, they get older, they get thicker. 
That's absolutely true. But right now he's not old. He's not older. He's not thicker. Uh, and and he is their short. He's going to be their shortstop for the next few years. You know, this point, listen, Kenneth, I, I your your point is is understood and, and, and it's a good point. There will come a day probably when Ellie De La Cruz bulks up. He's going to get a little bit slower. He's going to get a little bit uh, bigger as far as muscle mass goes. And he probably becomes the third baseman. That's yeah. kind of the evolution. Think Suarez, body type, not defensive ability. I'm talking about body type. Suarez did the same thing. Suarez was tall, lean, uh, even a little lanky at first, and then he, poof, bulks up, gets big, moves to third base, and, you know, and, and couldn't go back to short. So, yeah, this point's well taken. But for me, Jeff, uh, you know, I say you play him there until you don't play him there. Right. Or, or like A-Rod. A-Rod was a big dude. He, everybody knew at the beginning well, of his Jeff. career. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's right. where we're going with that? There's a reason he moved to third base. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not. Scott Campbell says aloha. I say aloha back to Scott Campbell. Maka. Poofy haired fancy boy just because this is fun. Says how are we looking, Jeff? How are we looking, Jeff? <laughs> Definitely better today than we were yesterday. I'll say that's that. absolutely right. Uh, Evan Maurer, I think this is directed at me. Uh, why wouldn't you trade a bullpen piece uh, on a super team friendly contract on a non-competing season? Who has a three point one war? Uh, I wouldn't trade a, I would not trade Alexis Diaz. This is about Alexis Diaz. I wouldn't trade him. I, 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 I wouldn't trade him right now. Um, I know relievers are a, a fickle up and down breed of baseball player. I know that, you know, it's, it's running a risk of, of him going out and having a bad year as relievers do. And then his value dropping. I don't think that's, what's going to happen. What we saw from Alexis Diaz from beginning to end was an upward arc of improvement. I think he comes back this season, continues that arc, raises his value. And then you have a serious conversation next off season about, uh, uniting him with his brother in New York or, or whoever is willing to pay the most. But I, I think trading Alexis Diaz right now is, is selling short. I think that it's not allowing him to hit his peak in value for what the Reds can get in return. There's a thought that I've also had about this and it's again, it's a non quantifiable thought, but think about what happened to the Brewers last year. Whenever they traded Josh Hader, that bullpen fell apart and it wasn't because they had to move everybody up and, you know, they had to figure out who was going to be the ace of the bullpen and all that stuff. And then you move everybody up a chair. I, I think there's just something about having that stabilizing presence, whether or not that guy pitches that night, there's just this, this calm over the bullpen and, and the reds have that guy. Alexis Diaz is that guy. So what do the rest of the bullpen, how do they fall in line this season is going to be an interesting thing to watch out for because in years past, they haven't had that guy. You have to find a dude who's got a hot hand, like a Heath Embry, for like a month, and then he falls off the face of the earth and gives up 12 runs and like two appearances, and then he, he's gone. You lose it. But Alexis Diaz doesn't do that, and, and how does it affect the rest of the bullpen? So I do agree with you that I think that I would be very reluctant to want to trade him. Again, I do think that Mitch Cox's uh, proposal – for with the Mets is just so ridiculously good that it'd be hard for me uh, to say no from the Reds perspective, but I do believe that it would adversely affect the bullpen to the point that we'd just be starting over. 
our buddy Carlos Guevara is in the comments today, Jeff. Uh, he wants to know why Steer should play every day. He didn't show much last year. Uh, he's going to have to earn a spot. And by the way, shout out to Carlos. Uh, Carlos is an entertaining follow, uh, both on his show over with Nick Kirby and Tim Daniel on Late Night Reds Talk. Also, uh, he's a fun Twitter follow if you're not following. Just for the beer and the the grilling that occurs on his <laughs> yeah. Twitter feed. Now, Carlos, next time I'm down Austin Way, uh, it's me and you for some Lone Stars and some barbecue. That's going to happen. Uh, but to your point, Carlos, you're right. He's going to have to prove it. And I think that the way that that happens is they put him at third base. They give him a month of consistent, uninterrupted playing time in one spot, and he either proves it or uh, L.A. De La Cruz comes up and they slide somebody else to third base, maybe Newman, uh, maybe another guy, and Steer goes back to super utility role. But uh I think that's the deal. It's going to be an audition from opening day until whenever either steer solidifies the spot as his own or plays poorly enough that forces the reds to make a move. And I liked what I saw from him. I, you can point at batting average and things like that and say that it wasn't very good. I'm going to point to his plate discipline and say that a dude who just came up to the major leagues still was able to maintain a batter's eye. I, I think that in a month you can have a fluke. You can have a fluke a 200 way or you can have a fluke like a 350, 400 way. There's been players that have hit almost 400 in a month. I, I think that Spencer Steer's numbers as far as the batting average department, the on-base department, the slugging department are going to trend up very quickly once he gets you know consistent playing time there at third base. Give him April, give him May. We're going to see some good numbers. He might be that guy that slots into the second spot in the lineup for the Reds uh, not too long after opening day. I, I loved what I saw from him with the ability to lay off bad pitches and work a walk here and there when he needs to. Carson checks in and says, should Nick Senzel get traded to the Dodgers for prospects after the signing of Will Myers? Well, first of all, Nick Senzel has absolutely no trade value whatsoever. Uh, nobody's, I mean, nobody's even, I don't think anybody trades anything for him. I mean, maybe you get somebody else that has a, a failed prospect and want to do a change of scenery swap. But beyond that, there, there's no trade value. We, we have a, a tendency to do this as fans where we're like, well, let's go trade that guy. He's terrible. Well, he's terrible. Nobody's going to trade for him. It's, right. it's not, it, it, it's, you know, if we see that he's terrible, everybody else sees that he's terrible. And listen, I don't think Nick Senzel is actually terrible. I think that, there's been a series of unfortunate events with Nick Senzel that have contributed to where we are today. And sure. I still in the just recesses of my mind, hold out hope that somehow Nick Senzel shows up and, and turns a corner and becomes that guy. We always thought he was going to be uh, probably the, the true and realistic answer is that Nick Senzel has shown us the major leaguer. He's going to be already. The only deal that you can get for Nixon Zell right now is the same deal that the Reds got for Robert Stevenson. Like you're, you're talking about a Jeff Hoffman type player that sure anything can work out, but there's a good chance they're not going to work out. And that's pretty much where Nixon Zell is too. You're, you're trading for the exact same person. It, it's the, it's the Spider-Man, you know, the, the Spider-Man GIF of the two Spider-Mans looking at each other. Like if you trade Nixon Zell, you're just getting another type of Nixon Zell back. Poofy haired fancy boy. I like I like this handle. This is good. The the old school picture of Mari Brenneman. I love it. Um, so he asked, why do we think the Reds signed Casali? It says or Barnhart, but he corrects here later that he means over Barnhart. 
Mm-hmm. Why ultimately do we think uh, it came down to signing Casale over Barnhart? You have any theories on this? One year's three point five million versus two years four and a half. Exactly. Million. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's true too. I think you get you know while Kirk Casale did not win a Gold Glove while in Cincinnati, uh, you know, Tucker, a gold glove winning catcher. Uh, I do think that the Reds had a significant uh, body of work from Kurt Casale playing in, in the Reds organization to know what they get with him. They know how he handles pitchers. They know how he'll be in the, the catcher's room, so to speak, to borrow a football, a football term there, you know, in the room with the guys, how he'll be. Uh, he, he knows Jr. house already. He knows, uh, the philosophies uh, that the Reds try and instill in their catchers, uh, it made him a great fit. And and Jeff, I think you're right. At the end of the day, I think that the money is the decider. Um, offensively, you know, looking at what Kurt Casale did between the Giants and the Mariners in uh, 2022 season, you know, his slash line was 203, 318, 331. You know, so not a world beater uh, in the batter's box, but. I think what he brings you in stability behind the plate. And I mean, let's face it, that slash line is an upgrade over what was out there, not named Tyler Stevenson. It's not hard to do, but it's not hard to beat what was going on. So (laughs) it is an offensive upgrade and you get defensive stability. And one other thing too, like it's not, it's not necessarily the money, which just to confirm, I did look it up. So Tucker got two years, six and a half million. And I think that's total. That's not per. So really the money does compare but Tucker wanted to still be that top guy because reports were the Reds talked to him a month ago and he said that he wanted to still be the top guy. So he wanted to come in and be in Tyler's shoes and that's understandable. He's still in a good part of his career where he believes that he can bring that to a team. So he's going to the Cubs who just lost Wilson Contreras and he's going to be that guy. I don't know that he's going to be Wilson Contreras, but he'll be the number one catcher for the Cubs. He was not going to be the number one catcher in any scenario here. Absolutely. And that's a great point. Uh, you know, guys want to be starters and yeah. you know, that factors into where they yeah. <laughs> factors in where they say, listen, Troy Hyde checks in with a great question here, Jeff. Uh, when he says when Aquino was designated for assignment, he ended up back in Cincinnati. Do we think Moose is really done? Absolutely. 100% he is done in the Reds organization. Uh, like I said, up top, you know, many, many, many minutes ago. Um, (laughs) We're into the second hour, Jeff. I love this. Uh, Many minutes ago, I said that Mike Moustakis will get an invite to somebody's spring training. I believe that's true. It will not be to Cincinnati's spring training. No, because the, the chances of him making the major league roster here are very little because the Reds understand that they're in a period where they need to give more playing time to young guys. Like they definitely want to see more at bats from Spencer steer than they want to see from Mike Moustakis because they've seen all they need to see out of Mike Moustakis. And there's a chance that a contender that maybe needs like some depth or a bench bat or something like that might give him a flyer for a major league minimum because he's made enough money this year. He doesn't necessarily need to sign for a big contract. The Reds just aren't going to do that. Yeah, Carlos I, I, thinks Moose Moose wanted out. I, I, you know, he looked like a guy that wanted out in in what we saw from him. Uh, maybe you know, I say that teams would be interested in taking a flyer on him. Uh, the question we haven't asked ourselves is, does Moose still want to play? Uh, I don't know the yeah. answer to that. I mean, you know, these last few seasons, I'm sure, have taken a toll uh, physically. We've seen it. 
uh, probably have taken a toll mentally, uh, he might be ready to call it a career is, and just ride off into the sunset. Well, and let's think of it from his perspective too. He got signed the same off season that Nick Castellanos was signed. He got signed by Dick Williams. He got signed by a regime that was trying to build a winner right now. And that all changed in one season. He went from a team that was aggressively trying to put a winner on the field to a team that was going to build a winner in a few years. And he wasn't going to be around whenever they were a winner again. So he was probably just thinking, give me my walking paper. I'll go somewhere else where they're trying to win right now. And that's probably where he's going to end up. He's going to end up on like the Yankees or something like that. Like, I mean, the Yankees took a flyer on Matt Carpenter. They'll take a flyer on Mike Moustakis. So I, I think that at the end of the day, he's probably still going to play a little bit. He was just done with the idea of coming to a team that overnight went from the team that he wanted to sign with to a team he would not have signed with. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a very fair point. Jared on vinyl checks in talking about Spencer Steer. And I think this is kind of the same place you were on this, Jeff. Uh, I think this is in response to Carlos. Uh, he only played 25 games. Uh, how much could he show in those 25 games? Uh, from what I saw, he has a lot of potential, looked very mature for his first MLB stint. Uh, you know, I came away from that when I interviewed him before he got called up. Uh, he's, yeah. he's a very mature put together guy. I think that, uh, and that's why I, I mean, I don't discount what Carlos said. He does need to earn his spot, but yes. it's open right now. There's not really anybody he needs to go take it away from. If you're going to plug somebody in there, since we're going to plug in a new third baseman, I think it should be him and he should, he should play well enough to keep it. Uh, but I don't think we're in the earn it phase. I think that, you know, he has to fight to keep it. Uh, but if I got to pull somebody out of the air to plug into that spot, for me, starting the season in 2023, it's Spencer Steer. 100%. And I, I also, and I love that conversation that you had with them. If if you have not checked it out, if you're uh, talking some Reds here with us today and you haven't seen Steve's conversation with Spencer Steer, it's in the folder on our YouTube page called Lefty in the Bullpen. And it was a great chat. Spencer Steer is a is a good dude, and I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. But yeah, like really, the options that you have at third base are uh, Spencer Steer, guy you need to see more from. Noel V. Marte, guy who's probably not ready yet. Carlos Encarnacion Strand, guy who may be ready, but you don't know because he hasn't played any major league playing time. And Newman, <laughs> Ronnie Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> he says the, the moose killed the reds as a brewer and the moose killed the reds as a red go figure um, go figure that's not yeah. fair that's not nice that's funny though it is a bummer to see like i think it was i think it was bob nightingale tweeted the statistical difference from him in milwaukee to him in cincinnati i think he hit twice as many home runs as a brewer than he did as a red so it was like great that's that's wonderful Carlos final wild card spot hot take alert I really believe that listen I think they could stumble into it I, I think that they could get there I, I'm just not saying that it's absolutely gonna happen uh, but stumble into it like it the chances you know the chances of you stumbling into a gym on January 1st <laughs> wow oh my goodness and I mean you, Steve, not not Carlos. Carlos, I'm I, sure I know. Just uh, Joel is worried the Reds will lose nearly every game after the trade deadline, just like they did last year. 
uh, no. They're not going to trade that. anybody this They're year. They're not going to trade I anybody. Mean, they might I trade mean, Will they, Meyer. Yeah, Will Meyer, maybe. Um, who else? Newman, if he has a any kind of a first half, well, but, maybe. And, but. and let's even consider that for a minute. He was a guy that the last couple of years was rumored to be a trade chip by the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they never traded him. And the Reds got him for nothing. So I don't know that there is an ability for him to prove. Like, unless he does go out and do the Drury and hit 20 home runs in the first half, I don't think there's any trade value for Kevin Newman outside of like a, a flyer single A prospect guy who's outside of an organize, organizational top 30. <laughs> Jeff, unpack this one for a minute. <laughs> Poof Hair Fancy Boy says Jeff is the David Bell of this podcast. I hope I talk more interesting than that. <laughs> I could talk like David Bell. I think I'd lose my job if I talk like David Bell, but yeah. <laughs> oh, Greg checks in. Now with Farmer and Mustakis gone, should Nick Senzel compete for a job at third base instead of center field? Uh thoughts and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Greg. Uh listen, there's there's a scenario here where Nick Senzel, if he can just be healthy and and somewhere above league average you know maybe a 115 120 ops plus i mean that's that's good for this team yeah. uh, i could see him becoming the super utility guy that we always thought he might end up being anyway he could fill in at second base he could fill in at third base he could fill in in the outfield uh still get semi regular at bats but move around i think i, I could get behind that I mean, I would definitely be able to get by. I think for him to do that, though, and, and this is a good thing. This is not a bad thing. I think for him to do that, though, that means that Michael Ciani broke out. That means that Michael Ciani figured out how to hit major league pitching. And, I mean, obviously, defensively, Michael Ciani is very well. He might be probably the best defensive uh, outfielder that the Reds have with uh, Aquino gone. But... I think that he's got to figure out the hitting thing before he gets enough playing time to warrant considering moving Nixon's out. Just right now, the Reds don't have another center fielder on the roster. It's like Nixon Zell is the de facto center fielder, not because he has shown the ability to be that guy, but because there's nobody else on the roster who has. Tim Daniels in the comment section right now. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Not sure if the new baby has arrived yet, but uh, whether they have or not, but congratulations on that. I'm so excited for you. I know you uh, just wrapped up your uh, basketball coverage in anticipation of that. So uh, happy to have you here and watching, Tim. But I think Tim is in the comment section talking about the things that Mike Moustakis did to establish his career in Cincinnati, what his legacy will be. I think that's what this is about. Uh, uh, Tim saying he got a bobblehead. So yeah, there's that. And uh, opening day, did, did Mustakis Homer on opening day of 2020? He did, didn't he? I think so. I, I think yeah. so. So I think that's what this is about. There it is. We have covered the Mustakis legacy in Tim, Cincinnati. I do appreciate. Pants, we're not trying pants to... falling down, yeah. bobblehead, <laughs> opening day home run. I just, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to slander moose here i just i don't there's not a memory that i have of him i'll tell you what when i close my eyes and i think i might mustakis i see him trying to bend over and pick up a ground ball and not doing it <laughs> there is that there is that all right let's go through a few rapid fire as we uh get ready to wrap this up jeff this one may not be uh hugely rapid fire but kenneth wants to know uh what we think uh, extend stevenson trade india i think 
I'd be interested for what the deal would look like. Maybe those are some interesting mock trades we could go over is because I would love to see India extended, but I also think that um, of the two, they might get the most for him right now. Poofy haired fancy boy. Does Votto shave that glorious beard? Yeah, he does I think it's going away. He does this weird thing where he grows a beard in the off season and he shows up to spring training with a beard. And then the first spring training game, he's clean shaven. I don't think he likes the way it feels whenever he's running the bases. This is in regards to who starts opening day. Carlton thinks they'll go with green for the fan. Uh, but uh, Nick is the better pitcher right now. Opening day is going to sell out guys. Uh, not based on who's the opening day pitcher. There's just Scott Feldman a, sold out opening day. It's right. It's going to be, day. it's going to be Nick Lodolo unless Nick Lodolo <laughs> for some reason cannot start opening day. Comment. I, I, I'm doubling down on this. Nick oh, Lodolo is the opening day starter unless there's something wrong. That's I'm the still, bottom line. I'm, I'm still with Hunter Green, but I want everybody to comment where they were whenever Scott Feldman was the opening day starter. Of the Cincinnati Who, are you making up players again? <laughs> no, I was there. He started, and it was against Aaron Heilman for the Philadelphia Phillies. It was the marquee pitching matchup of the century. I'm just, I yeah, I can't believe it. <laughs> All right, I'm trying to find a couple more here. Uh, this one from Jared on vinyl talking about Noel V Marte. If uh, Jared thinks if Marte plays at all this year, it'll be in September. I think that's probably yeah. realistic. I think that's reasonable. I think so too, because I still think that he needs to show he's a guy that I need to see more of a triple a. I don't necessarily think that about Ellie de la Cruz. And I think that Christian Encarnacion strand will also be up before Noel V Marte, but I'm excited for Marte to show up because I mean, do we need to? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Yeah. I just. I mean, I had to. Woo. Here, I want you to yell at Joel for a minute. Should Ellie try center field at all? I would. Yell. I would like it. I would what? like it. What I would are you like talking it, but, about? No. But stop it. They don't have a shortstop right now, so. I mean, oh the God. only reason that he plays center field is if Jose Barrero takes off, and that's not going to happen. So I think that he plays shortstop. Wow, you're just wrong. No, I'm done with this. <laughs> shortstop, third base, left side, infield, enough. That, that's where Ellie is playing. Done with that. Let's not do that. Uh, speaking of Noel V. Marte, uh, how did he do out in Arizona? Uh, we did a whole episode on this. If you jump back into the archives, you can see a rundown on everybody and how they performed uh, out in Goodyear for the Arizona Fall League. Listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, all of the hitters were pretty bad during mm -hmm. the Arizona Fall League. Nobody really went out and had a stellar performance. Uh, the exciting part of Noel V. Marte's uh, Arizona Fall League experience was... Yeah, well, there's that. And he played third base. This is where he made the transition over to third base. He played third base uh, pretty exclusively during his time in Arizona, and and he is now a third baseman. Yeah, we, we can officially label him no longer as a shortstop, but as a third baseman. And that's where that's where his future is. And I think that that's why we'll probably see Spencer Steer for most of this year. But Noelvi Marte is the third baseman of 2024. All right, let's take one more before we get out of here. Let me see if I can find us. You guys have been great. This has been right awesome, away. and I'm glad that everybody joined in with us here in this uh, Christmas weekend. Uh, looking forward to 
the weekend ahead and as cold as it is here in Ohio, I'm sure everybody's inside. I hope you're not watching us outside. If you're outside, I'm sorry. Let's, let's wrap up with this. There's a conversation about who should be untouchable uh, down here in the comments. And uh, some of the names being thrown around green Stevenson, Lodolo uh, as being untouchable. And then Carlton comes with this. Here's the honest take. No one is untouchable. Uh, if they're really uh, the build from within model, uh, if someone wants to overpay in prospects, they should trade. They should trade. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, that's the sad truth in this model. Almost everybody should be untouchable. Um, I think I, I go a step farther and say this. There are a couple guys that this team needs to identify and sign to extensions with the thought process being we're going to keep them around. They're going to be the stabilizers. They're going to be the faces and we're going to churn around them, build around them, bring in prospects around them. Uh, that being said, even when you sign those guys, unless there's a no trade clause in place, if the right deal comes along, well, you trade them and then you extend somebody else. But for me, um, Tyler Stevenson is the guy on the offensive side right now that they should extend. Uh, that being said, you know, Ellie De La Cruz could very quickly take that away from him and be the guy on the offensive side. If he does in the major leagues, what he's done at every other level, uh, on the pitching staff side, I'm really torn, uh, because, you know, everybody wants Hunter green to be this guy, but right now, if I had to do it today, Nick Lodolo is the one that I'm extending and making the, the stabilizer of the rotation. Uh, I would really like them to sign both of those guys, Hunter green and Nick Lodolo lock oh, yeah, up one sure. and two in the rotation, but I'm not sure that the money is there that I'm not sure that the reds will say the money is there to do that because you're probably talking about what 20 to 25 million a season for each of those guys. If you lock them up on long-term deals. Maybe eventually they might be able to get away with like, you know, 15 or 17 if they were to sign them like right now, which I think is why they need to consider being proactive this offseason with those with with uh, contract extensions. As far as untouchable goes, I don't know that untouchable is the right word. Like if you're a good general manager, I don't think any player is untouchable. And that's even if you're the general manager of the New York Mets. But the thing of it is, it's like selling playoff tickets. Like if you have tickets to a playoff game, you might put them on a secondary market for like a thousand dollars a seat and say, okay, sure. You want to give me a couple grand. I'll give you these tickets. It's the same deal with Nick Lodolo, Hunter Green, Tyler Stevenson, Jonathan India, all those guys is like, if you want to blow off the doors of a trade offer and you want to send that to me, sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. Like if the Mets were to be like, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you Brett Beatty. We'll give you, um, I'm trying to think of their, their catching, uh, prospect. I think it's Francisco Alvarez. Uh, and we'll give you Mark Vientos for Jonathan India. Then there's absolutely no reality in which Nick crawl should say no, because those guys are going to be franchise altering prospects. So overall, there is no situation where anybody is untouchable. But there are a lot of there are a lot of dudes on this roster right now that Nick Crawl better just like drop the phone if he gets a trade offer that he wants to accept. Like it's got to be like, oh my gosh, they just said what? Where'd my phone go? Where, where? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeff Kenneth says let's do another hour. Unfortunately, no, that's gonna do eggnog, it. For... I'm out of eggnog. 
that's gonna do it for this edition of the aloha live friday uh locked on reds thanks everybody for being here sticking around in the comments and questions section this is my favorite part i tell you guys every week i love doing these shows uh this has been uh so much fun and i can't yeah. wait to do it again we're going to try and do this every week uh, every friday at 1 30 p.m eastern time we will try and be live right here on youtube uh, if you miss it it'll be uh, available on youtube immediately after and it will also be in the audio feed as two episodes the regular show and a bonus episode with the q and a uh, take us home jeff Thanks, everybody, for checking us out here on this Alive Aloha edition. Make sure that you uh, check us out Monday when we take a look at this roster and where the spots are that there's opportunities and who's going to be the odd men out because there's going to be some guys that we saw last year who you may not have thought will get the axe who are going to get the axe. That's going to happen. We're going to tell you who uh, coming up next week, probably Tuesday. Look for that episode in your feed but that do it for us here today thanks for making us your first listen now make your second listen locked on sports today they've got you covered for all of the biggest sports news all the biggest games everything that you can think of around the sporting world locked on sports today has their finger on the pulse of that so check it out it's just like locked on reds it's free and available on all platforms steve the reds have made some awesome moves over the last 27 hours now and they're probably done, but there's still some more moves that they can make within the margins. So what's that mean for you and me? That means that you and I are going to continue to look for those moves. We're going to continue to talk about them. We're going to continue to feed them to our guy, Nick Craw. Thanks for watching, Nick. We love you. Uh, we're going to keep Nick. We're going to keep ourselves. And we're going to keep you locked on Reds every single day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.